Lighthouse Church. Is it good to be together again, or is it good to be together again? Oh, man. I didn't realize how much I missed this until I got to be part of this again. I'll, just, I'll tell you something. Some of you already know this, but church never stopped. Church kept doing what church does, even while we weren't gathering together. And while we didn't meet for five plus months, which felt like five plus years, God kept meeting and God kept showing up. In fact, through that five months, 15 people have been baptized at our church. I need to hear somebody. Oh. So God still moves in his church. Church changed locations for a while, but the doors never shut. Proof of that is those baptisms. Also proof of that is 33 people who have given their lives to Jesus Christ in the past five months. And if God can do that when we weren't gathering together, what do you suppose God wants to do when we do gather together? Man, I'm, you are going to be blessed for coming to the house of the Lord today. I can already tell you that. I'm already blessed just by seeing you. God is, God is on the move. He is going to do a great thing, and we believe it, and we declare it. Worship team, thank you. It is a good day. I, uh, I want to start by just acknowledging something. In the past five months, it's kind of easy to get off track. I don't know. Anybody feel like you've gotten off track in an area of your life? Any area? Man, if your hand's not up, you should ask the person next to you if you've gotten off track. They might say yes. Um, I, it's hard. Financially, people have been struggling People have lost jobs. Businesses have closed down. I mean, it's been hard. Parenting? Parents? If you're a parent, raise your hand. Okay, I'm going to get you to raise your hand. I don't care what it takes. See, it's hard. I I used to be a good parent. I mean, until I had kids. And then, you know, things change. It's like, I don't get it. So, but there's financially, there's the parenting. um, (laughs) There is our diet. I mean, I don't know how you've been doing through this COVID-19 season. Putting on the COVID-19? Yeah, putting on the COVID-29? I mean, I don't know. Something about when you're in your house and you're going stir crazy. We've got the best intentions. I do. Like, I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the fridge. I'm going to grab some nice Greek yogurt, maybe some leafy kale. I, mean, I don't get kale. I'm kidding. But some of you might do that. But we have these good intentions, and then two minutes later, we find ourselves on the couch with our head buried in a gallon of cookies and cream. How did this happen? I don't get it. Some of you are clapping. I know. I love cookies, and I love it. You know who isn't hurting during the pandemic? Dairy Queen. Holy cow. Every time I go there, there's a line, like, around the building, and I'm there, like, every day, so I should know. I mean, it's crazy. Dairy Queen is not hurting in the pandemic. What about our faith? your faith waned at all in five and a half months got a little off track maybe some of you are looking at me like you're pretty holy don't tell me you've been watching the online service every week okay i know that ain't true studies tell you that even the average the avid church goer you know what they watch for online church about once every four times that's the average don't be looking at me like you've been watching it every week i don't believe it i don't believe it I've had a hard time watching every week, and I'm the pastor. <laughs> Two weeks ago, Jody's like, hey, wake up. It's time for church. I'm like, ah, I'll catch the 11 o'clock. She's like, it is 11 o'clock. I'm like, ah, I'll catch the 5 o'clock. <laughs> you know, it's terrible. We need to get back to gathering together. But 2020 is nuts. And I hear people using 2020 like it's an adjective. Like, oh, you just got 2020. You get rear-ended. Oh, you got 2020. You get blindsided. Oh, you got 2020. Jake. 
You and I got 2020. Jake's like, well, Dad, what are you talking about? We went for a walk. So, so we went for a walk, Jake, my son, and I, and we were walking Rudy. You know who, whose life hasn't changed during the pandemic? Our dog. I mean, that dog, you know, if his change has gotten better, like our dog is praying for another pandemic. He loves it. People are always around the house loving him. He's still getting walks. He's still getting fed. He's getting everything he needs. Well, Jake and I take Rudy for a walk. It was 9.30 at night on a weeknight, so I'm maybe not the best parent because you should have been in bed by then. But you know what? We'll talk about my parenting later. We take Rudy for a walk, and nobody is out walking at 9.30. I mean, unless you're weird. Okay, I saw you out there. Um, so Just kidding. Uh, so we're walking, and you ever feel like someone is coming up behind? You get that, like, that feeling? Like someone's like, I, I had that feeling. So Jake and I are walking, and I had this feeling, or, or uh, just this presence behind me. And I turn around, and this woman, I kid you not, is like power walking straight up on us. And I was like, my first response is like, oh my God, don't hear I just cowered like a schoolgirl. I didn't, Jake, did you scream? I don't even know if you did, because I screamed so loud, I couldn't hear anything else. Um, I'm not, this power walk, crazy person, comes up on us, and I kind of get out of the way. And she, she goes out in the grass, and she kind of laughs, and she's like, excuse me. I was like, I will take you out. I mean, are you crazy? She was, she 2020 does came up on us. 2020 does. It's funny. She did. I was, Jake, Jake, you probably thought, my gosh, if we ever do get mugged on a walk, we're screwed, aren't we? Because we, you saw my response. Oh my gosh. It's terrible. So you guys, I'm so excited about today. Uh, say together. The series that we're beginning today as we gather together is simply called Together. Because there's power when we come together. When, when, when people literally, physically come together, something supernatural will happen. And, and Acts 2 was the premise, is the premise of this series. Acts 2, if you don't know, that's when the first church began. Like Jesus has inaugurated, initiated, instituted his church. And it begins in the church, the people... When they gather together, like God just showed up in amazing ways. And I thought, how cool would it be as we start gathering together, we start looking at God's power magnified through the people. So that's what I'm thinking. Now I know that, and I've heard people say, you know, pastor, I'm not ready to come back yet. And I get it. I've already said, if you're not ready, don't. You watch church online. But, 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 and, and some people have said, I, I like church online. I'm going to keep watching church online. And that's cool. But church online, again, that doesn't make sense to me. You're watching a message online. That's true. But, but, it, but it, I wouldn't call it church online because, let's face it, and you know this if you're here today, watching online is not the same as being there. It isn't, is it? It is not the same. It is not the same. And I know that there's churches that are debating, do we just always meet online and never gather again? I'm like, we could save a lot of money in rent and fill facilities and buildings by not doing that. But the church gathered together. I'm sorry. The first church gathered together. So I tell them, listen. If you can't watch for now, that's cool, but you'll want to come back sometimes because you're missing out. Because something supernatural happens when we gather together. The Bible says the first church, they met together, and they worshiped together, and the Bible says that the Lord added to their number those that were being saved. Somebody shout, together! See, together! I, I, there's something that happens. You and I were created for community. But, but here's the problem. Some of you, you, you started to fall in love with the term social distancing. It's like, that's eh, not a bad thing. I kind of like social distancing. It's like when my neighbor comes out and they want to tell me how great their lawn is and that they aerate it and that they, they fertilize, you know. I just tell them, listen, I can't talk right now. We got to, you know, 
can't like a good neighbor, stay over there. You know, so um, we just, we, it's a great excuse. We don't, I can't, a social distance, I can't, I can't talk to you right now. But the, here's the reality. We are so wired for community and so wired for relationship. In fact, here's what's crazy. A story that I heard, true story of, of and this is nuts. This is how important community is. This is how important rela- uh, physical relationship is. L- listen to this. In the 13th century, this is a true story, a German king, Frederick II, did an experiment. He was convinced that, that, that the natural, most powerful, like the most innate na- language that a person would speak is German. So he said if a kid was never talked to when they were a baby and they didn't know any language, they didn't hear any language, he was convinced they would speak ultimately German when they did start speaking. To prove it, he took babies from their mothers um, and, and, and placed them in the care of nurses. Nurses couldn't talk to the kids. They could just take care of them. and couldn't physically like, like um, nurture them, just change them if they needed changing, just feed them if they needed feeding, and they needed both those. They did that, but that was about all they did. They're instructed to leave them alone with no physical contact, no emotional contact. True story. It's crazy. The results um, required the king, Frederick, to cut the, the, the whole study short. As you may have guessed, the babies uh, actually never grew up to speak any language because they all died. Every one of them died. And they had, you would say they had their needs met. They were fed. They were, they were, they were clothed. They were changed. They died. And I, and I hear that story and I think to myself, even from a scientific standpoint, maybe you have a science mind. This shows you they could not live without human connection. They couldn't do it. Modern science proved it. We're literally engineered to be with one another. Now, does that mean that we always got to have people around us? God, no, it doesn't mean that. I mean, there are times when I, you know, you need to, I need my time. That's solitude. Jesus took times of solitude. He did. Jesus would go and be alone, remember? He'd go up to the hill and be alone or talk to the Father. He'd go across the lake to be alone. So solitude's a beautiful thing. I mean, a couple, was it a few weeks ago, Jake, you were back in Sioux Falls with your uncle. Jody and Ava were shopping. I was just home on the recliner. I mean, it was good. No one was going to tell me, hey, let's watch Good Luck Charlie. No one was going to say that to me. No one was going to say, hey, let's watch Fixer Upper or whatever Chip and Joanna are doing. I don't care. I don't want to do it. I could kick back, kick back and watch the next Christian movie put out by Quentin Tarantino and just enjoy my time. You know, amazing. Solitude. But here's the problem, and I don't know if you can re- Oh, no, I bet you can relate to this. In the season that we've had in this year, solitude... Maybe you've gotten some of that, and I hope you have. But, but probably what you've gotten that you shouldn't have gotten is what those babies got, isolation. See, isolation is, is deadly. The story proves it. And people have been isolated for too long in way too many different areas. And we as the church, I mean, I want to be safe like anybody. I want to be conscious of health, conscious of whatever. I get that. I understand that. But isolation is, solitude is a gift from God. Isolation is a tool of the enemy. Okay? That, that, that sets the tone for together. Solitude is a gift. And you need p- bits and pieces of solitude in your life. But isolation is deadly. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. It is deadly. So, I, so I'm thinking about preaching. And I'm thinking about this message. And I'm, and I'm looking at Acts 2. And that's the beginning of the church, right? Acts 2 is the beginning of the church. And God's like, and I've never, God's never physically spoken to me. But I just... When I say he speaks to me, I mean, you, I get this overwhelming thought. And the thought was this, go back to the beginning. 
And I'm like, God, the first church is the beginning. He's like, ah, go back to the beginning. I said, God, but we're talking about being together. He said, I get it. I'm the one who created together. Now go back to the beginning. And I'm like, okay, I guess we're going way back. So, so I, I'm listening to God, and I'm like, I guess we're going back to Genesis, to the beginning, beginning, to look at what together really means. And I think about that, and I think, but God, and I'm still arguing with God because I like to do that. It's fun. So I'm like, God, the first church, you move through them powerfully. If I ask you if you want God to move through you, you don't even have to raise your hand. I know you do. You want God to move through you. And I'm like, God, you move through the first church. We're talking about being together. And God's like, you know what? Before I can move through you, I need to move in you. That is one of the main points you're going to get today. Before God can move through you, before God can move through you, he must first move in you. It's so critical. So God shows us a picture of together in Genesis. I'm going to unpack it for you in a way that I, I, I hope will come alive like it did for me. One, it, Genesis 1.1, it doesn't get more in the beginning than this. In the beginning, in Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now understand something. God, uh, the, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. Okay, it's a, so, and God translated, this, the, the, the term God here, translated in Hebrew, is Elohim. Say Elohim. Look at you. You're speaking Hebrew. It's, go brag to your friends and tell them how smart you are. I mean, you just, it's awesome. So, Elohim, God, is a, is a unique term because the term is actually plural. It's a plural noun, which is weird because we serve one God. Right? We serve one God, but you know, if you're, if you're familiar with the Trinity, you know there's three persons that make up that one God. That's why it's plural. So let's continue. Genesis 1-2. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So, so Elohim is there, and now we learn that Elohim, God, has a spirit too that's hovering over the waters. Verse 3, pick it up. And, and Elohim, God says, he speaks and he says, let there be light. And throughout the rest of the chapter, we see God creating, the Spirit of God creating, the Word of God speaking. We see the communion of this togetherness of this one God. And then, as, and then in Genesis 1.26, God reveals more of himself to us. And he says in verse 26, God said, let us, say us, us, let us, my friends sometimes when I would say, hey, we're going to kick your butt, and I'd be by myself, they're like, whoa, who, who are you and who else? What, you got a turd in your pocket? I'm like, why would anybody put a turd in their pocket? No, I don't have a turd in my Anyway, so I just thought, anyway, so that's off track. But welcome to Meadows Church. So Genesis 1.26, let us make human beings in our image. Hmm. So there is, so, so the Elohim, this plural God is starting to make sense now. To be like us. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And that seems strange, God. But when you understand Elohim, the plural form, you're understanding that God is working together with the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And God shows us his power. God shows us the importance of togetherness right in the beginning. And here's what I love about God. God could just declare to us in his word, hey, you should, you should be in life groups and you should be doing community with others and you should be in relationships and you should do life together. But God doesn't just declare those things to us. God models it. He models it with the Spirit and the Word of God all doing communion together, all living together. God's never going to tell you to do something that he hasn't already done. God's never going to lead you to a place where he hasn't already gone. 
See, I don't know about you, but I'm just so grateful that God didn't just like shout his love from heaven, but no, he showed his love on earth by sending Jesus Christ, which is what Emmanuel, God with us. I love that. God, you're showing us the, the, the power of coming together. And the Trinitarian God is so beautiful. It can be really complex and confusing, but I'm just trying to show you how intimate it is. And if God is doing that with himself and with his word and with the spirit, what is he telling us to do? And it's interesting. So in John 1.1, now we go from Genesis, the very, very beginning, to John, one of the very beginning chapters in the New Testament, a gospel of Jesus. John, listen to how it starts. John 1.1. In the beginning, sounds familiar, doesn't it? In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, so the Word that we're talking about, it's not like a word on a, a book like we would think about. It's not like an, an it. It, it it's, it's, it's a he. It's, it's a person. And a few verses later in John 1.14, listen to what it says. And the Word, say word, word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this word was with God and was God from the beginning and becomes a human being, and his name is Jesus. What, what the Bible is saying is Jesus has always been. The Spirit has always been. The Father has always been. But 2,000 years ago, that word became flesh in a manger in Bethlehem, and he dwelt among us. And here's what's crazy. Before God can move through you, he needs to first move in you, and, and, and God moves so powerfully through his son Jesus that he brings him to a point where he's about ready to fulfill his ultimate purpose. So let's, let's fast forward 33 years from that manger in Bethlehem to the very last prayer that he ever prayed with his group of friends, with his disciples. They just had the last supper. This is in John 17, and Jesus is praying his prayer. One of the final prayers he'd ever pray with his friends, ever. And he prays this prayer, and you get a picture of everything coming together. He's literally hours before he goes to the cross, hours before he's going to fulfill this ultimate sacrifice for you and for I. And listen to what it says in John 17, verse 1. Jesus is praying, and it says, after saying all these things, Jesus, he looks up to heaven and says to the Father, because, because they're, they're separate persons, but the same God. I know it's weird, it's a little confusing, but just go with the scripture here. Jesus looks up to heaven. Father, the hour has come. Glorify. Say glorify. glorify. We're going to unpack that in a second. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. This relationship is so intimate. For you have given him authority over everyone. You hear what Jesus just said? Jesus just said, Father, you've given me, Jesus, authority over everyone. Who has all authority? Jesus has all authority. Some of you are like me sometimes in the in the pandemic and you freak out about maybe who's going to get elected or you freak out about what's going on maybe in schools or in our society or in whatever i want you to remember something jesus has all authority okay jesus when you're freaking out when you're worried when you're struggling don't forget the king jesus is on the throne and he has all authority i i, I have all authority he says he gives eternal life to each one you have given to him okay so he, I'll, I'll read that again because i missed a part for you have given him authority over everyone, Jesus. And Jesus gives eternal life to each one you have given to him. The question is, have you received it? 
He gives it to everybody. He offers it to everybody. Have we received it? And this is the way to have it. To know you, Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you send to earth. And then Jesus continues with this beautiful conversation with his Father. And he says, I brought you glory. I brought glory to you, Father, here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into glory that we shared before the world even began. Back in the beginning, in the beginning, way in the beginning, bring me back to that where we can come together again. I, I, I love this picture, so glorify. It's kind of a, it's a word that you hear a lot in churches, and maybe you don't understand exactly what it means. I'll tell you. It's, it means to praise, enjoy, direct attention to something or someone. That's what it means. And most of all, to delight in them. I love that. We are to delight in God. It's a beautiful thing. So from all eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are, are glorifying each other. Uh, the Spirit is glorifying the, the Father. The Father glorifies the Son. The Son glorifies the Father. It gives us a beautiful picture. Throughout all eternity, their relationship is this dynamic, this pulsating dance of love and this dance of joy. It's amazing. And we, and, 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 and we hear that and we think, okay, that's good for them, but what about us? Can I just tell you straight up, at the end of the day, you and I, we exist for one reason and one reason only. And that is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's why you exist. You exist to glorify God. He is the central character in our story, not us. And that doesn't sound all that good because, Pastor, you always talk about I have a purpose to live out. God has given me a purpose. God has given me desires. God has given me gifts. God has given me abilities. God has given me dreams. Yes, God has given you those things. But here's the question. Who, what do you love more? The dreams that God has given you or the God who has given you the dreams? Okay? Which do you love more? I wrote it down. Before you can live your life for God, you must, you need to live your, or before you can live your, man, I can't read. I'm so excited. Before you live your life for God, you need to live your life with God. God is bringing us together with him today. That's the title of today's message, Together with God. I thought, I thought we were going to start out talking about together with each other because we are, and the power of the church, and it's powerful. And God's like, no, no, no. You can't, you can't lead someone where you haven't gone yourself. You need to start with me. You need to start with together with God. And, and if we can just be real for a minute and not put on a mask and not be fake, which I'm good at doing, I'm telling you, I, there's areas in my life where I've gotten away from God. God's like, I, I want you together with me, with me. Your purpose, I wrote it down, your purpose starts with you being together with God. That's your purpose starts with you being together with God. You know, I almost named this message Dancing Together with God. Almost named it that. Dancing Together with God. And the reason I almost named it that is because of a story, a true story, of these people. And they went on a retreat. A pastor was leading it, took some people out to a, a retreat. If you've never been on a retreat, normally it's, you go out in a, a wooded area. It's very scenic and very beautiful, okay? And it's, and it's, like I said, the trees and nature. But it's not camping, though, okay? A retreat is going to bring you closer to Jesus. Camping? No. Nah. I mean, you, you're going to, no. Sorry campers. Um, I'm just speaking the truth. I can't help it. So um, they go on this retreat and they get their instructions and they get their uh, 
scripture from the guy, and he says, I want you to go out, and I want you to just pray and seek God and watch what he does. Well, they come back, and the people start sharing these amazing revelations and amazing stories that happened while they were out with nature. And I don't know if you've ever been in, like, I don't know, maybe I call it a holy huddle, where people, and it's almost like, I don't even know if I believe them sometimes. It's like, oh, That was so amazing. Like, worship was so incredible. And worship is incredible, but they just go overboard. And they're like, oh my gosh, I just felt the presence of the Spirit of the Lord. Elohim was all around me. And it was just enveloping me. And it was just so amazing. And it's just so, it's like so thick. And this cloud. And did you you feel that cloud? Did you feel the cloud? I'm like, no. I mean, the only cloud, I think the dude next to me had gas. I mean, there was kind of a cloud, but had some bad pizza. But I don't, I didn't feel what you're feeling. You didn't? When you were out walking in the forest and I saw God moving in the trees. And God was, God was singing through the birds and God was speaking through this little squirrel. And I'd be like, a squirrel was talking to you? Dude, are you high? I mean, I'm not getting it. But, you know, people, and that's what they were doing. They were telling this experience of what it was like. And then it gets to Christine. And Christine's like, I got nothing. Nothing. I know that you, you know, you saw this and you felt this and you experienced this and you were transported here. Nothing. And she goes, I don't know what's wrong with me. And the the pastor, the one leading the retreat said, no, 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 there's nothing wrong. You know, everybody's going to experience God differently. See, God wants to speak to you differently than he's going to speak to you. And you're going to hear something different in this message than you're going to hear in this message. That's how big and powerful God is. So the guy said, let's just keep doing it. Next day, they did the same thing. They come back and everybody's sharing their experience. Ah, this is what I experienced. This is what what God did. And it gets to Christine and she's like, I got nothing. I have nothing. I I mean, I can make stuff up to sound religious, to sound spiritual. I could do that, but I didn't come out here to to make stuff up. And she had nothing. Third day, nothing. Final day, something. This is what she said. The last day, I got something. And this is what she shared. Another true story. She said, I don't know how to explain it. It was almost like a dream. I was asking God to show up. Like, you know how you're in desperation? God, this is it. This is the last day. I got to come back with something. I mean, I don't want to waste the whole, the whole week with this retreat. I didn't get nothing. What am I missing? And suddenly it says, it was like I was transported to a huge dance hall. It was like a ballroom. Everybody was dressed elegantly. All around me, everybody's dancing. Beautiful dances, perfectly, like no one's missing a step. I went over and stood against the wall. I stood there for a couple songs all by myself. It kind of sounds like my freshman prom, but that's a whole nother topic. Then a gentleman came up to me. I don't know if he'd been there long or been there um, how long he'd been there. He was in the striking black tux with a red flower. He came up to me, he extended his hand, and he said, can we dance? I told him, I'm, I'm not very good. And he said, ah, it's okay, I'll lead. The next thing I know, he took me by the hand out on the dance floor, and we began to, began to dance, dance like I've never danced before. We spun, we dipped. It was amazing. And as we danced, everybody else stopped dancing and formed this big circle around us. And at the end of the song, everybody was applauding just for us. And the man looked at me and he said, thank you for having this dance with me. And as he looked into my eyes, I knew it was Jesus. And at that moment, he bent down and whispered in my ear, Christine, I'm wild about you. 
and I knew I would never be the same again. I heard that story and I thought to myself, I want to get back to the dance. Part of getting back to the dance is coming together with you. But I desperately want to get back to the dance. I don't know if anybody else is exhausted. I don't know if anybody else is just exhausted. I love one of my favorite parts of that story is when he said, do you want to dance? And she's like, ah, I'm not good. And he's like, I'll lead. See, I desperately want him to lead. And the reason the story, maybe it hit me so hard is because I've been trying to lead in areas and it's just, I don't know how to put it. I mean, it's just hard. <laughs> I said, I've told you this before that I'd always get real with you. And I hate, I hate that I said that. I hate that I made that deal with God years ago when I became a pastor. And I always, one thing I always loved about my pastor and always will is he would stand up on a stage and he wasn't scared, too scared to admit a shortcoming or admit a struggle. And what, what, what really got me is when he talked about his wife having an affair. And I was like, I've never heard a pastor say that. And I was so drawn to it. And it was weird. I wasn't happy that it, I mean, but it was just something about the realness. And God really, when I was called to ministry, God's like, you gotta be real. They don't need, they don't need you to be the best leader. They don't need you to be the best speaker, but they do need you to be real and authentic. So I made that deal and I hate that I made that deal. I hate it because Satan will tell me, you know what he'll tell me? You get too real and you don't wanna, you know, tell you, but Satan will tell you, you know, they'll see you as weak. They'll see you as, you know, I don't want that guy. He's, who's he to lead me? Who's he as, as my pastor? And I, I just have to, that's something I deal with, I, that I wrestle with, and whatever, I probably always will. But it's still a deal that I made. And, you know, the first few months of this season, like March and April and May, they weren't, that, like a lot of you, it was different. Things are going quick. Things are changing. News is changing. And it's so, everything's so crazy. It's just time just kind of goes. And I really, you know, and I've struggled with depression. I've told you that before. After I got clean off of drugs, I've struggled with depression for over 12 years now. And my depression wasn't any worse during this season right away, but the last month and a half, I, it, it has been the worst it's ever been since I've lived here. And I can't, and what, here's what's frustrating. I can't even blame COVID-19. I can't really blame the presidential election. I, I can't really put my finger on it. I just know there's areas of my life that I, I wanna see I want to see improvement. I want to see change. And so I was talking to Jody about it. And she's like, you need to get back to your counselor. And I'm like, yes, I do. Because it had been over a year. And you know how it's weird. You know it's good for you, but you put it off and you don't do it. I don't, why are we, is that just me? I don't know. I just, well, things, when things get bad enough and you get, you wrestle enough in your head. And I was just so desperate. So I, this week I go, went back and I was talking to this counselor. And I'm sharing with her, I'm like, I'm just so, and I've, I've got it good. I mean, the church has been really thriving. We've been making different, lives are changing. People are being generous. Uh, we're making a difference in the community. I mean, it's not like the church died during COVID. No, the church grew. My family's beautiful. I got a beautiful wife, beautiful kids. They're healthy. I have nothing. Like, my life is good. Why do I feel this way? I hate it. But I know there's things that I want to see different in my life. I want to be better in this area or that area. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better leader. It's one of my shortcomings. It's never enough. It's a struggle. So 
so I'm talking to this counselor. She's like, listen to me. She's like, I'm going to stop you for a second. I said, okay. She goes, I'm hearing a cycle uh, uh, of what you're saying. And she goes, do you want to hear it? I'm like, well, I am paying you. Yeah, it'd be nice to hear something. You know, let's make some progress. So, um, so she's like, uh, you keep talking about the changes that you want to see. Like, you're really disappointed in, you know, maybe uh, areas of your life you don't think you're getting better at. And areas of life where you're struggling at. And change that you want to see. But And I told her, it's like I'm outside looking in. And I see that changes I want to make. And I can't make them. And that makes it worse. Because now I'm mad because I can't make them. It's just like this compound. And she goes, so there's that. And then over here you keep talking about, you know, God and, and how you're powerless to make those changes. I need to make changes. I can't do it. And I'm like, yes. And she goes, and you're a little upset. She, I must have been talking with kind of a tone. I can do that. And I was. Honestly, I was mad at God. I was mad. I'm like, God, I want this to change. I want this to be different. And some of it's in regard, it's all, you know, it's not just one thing. And I'm like, God, I don't get it. And it's a good thing. And you're not doing it. And I wonder, I don't know if any of you can relate. It's like, God, I want this to be different. And this will be good for me and them, but it's not being different. And I'm trying, but I can't. And it was just exhausting. And she's like, you know what she said? You need, she said, surrender. She said, you really need to get back with God. This is on Friday I had this appointment. This message is already written. That's what she said. You need to get back with God. Like there's something about you, Monty, that you're trying to do it on your own power and you're so frustrated. You're acting like God's in the equation, but really he's not. And I'm like, all right. And maybe you, maybe God is calling you to get back together with him. If you can relate to being exhausted, if you can relate to being frustrated, if you can relate to, I want to see so many things different in my life, but I, 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 I can't. I mean, I'm trying, but it's like a freaking, I'm going backwards. She prays for me at the end of this uh, counseling session. And after she prays, she looks up and she goes, have you seen the movie The Shack? And I said, yeah, I've seen the movie. She's like, do you remember the part where the character who played God talked to the guy and said, gave this line? And the line was, you may not believe it, but I'm especially fond of you. And I, did, I was held it together through the whole session. And at the very end, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I realized in that moment that I, I, it wasn't even about the changes that I wanted God to make. It was about me. And I just, I don't know. I feel like I disappoint God so much in so many ways. And she looked at me. She said, your God is especially fond of you. I came here to tell you that your God is especially fond of you. Oh, you know your God is especially fond of you regardless of the mistakes that you made. I've given God a million reasons to give up on me. A million. And he never has. A million reasons to stop loving me and he keeps doing it. And if he's going to love me like that, he's going to love you like that. Your God is especially fond of you. And today he wants to dance with you. Sometimes I forget the power of God, the promises of God, the provision of God. 
If I could just see him, it'd be so much easier. You know what God showed me this week? There's a virus that's going on in our world right now. Maybe you've heard of it. Can't see it. Can't see it with the naked eye, but it's changed everything about you. It's changed the way that you interact with people. It's changed the way that you go out or don't go out. It's changed the way that you shop. It's changed the way that you live. It's changed the way that you eat. It's changed how you dress. It has changed everything about you, and you can't even see it. But you know why it's changed you in that way? Because, well, there's these reports. It's, it's real. I mean, it's a real thing. So we're going to act accordingly. And you know what God showed me? You can't see me, but I'm a pretty real thing. What if we were to act accordingly? Like, what if we were to start, start, what if we taught our kids the way we're teaching them about, okay, put your mask on and, and do this and don't do that. And you don't have a locker and all this stuff. What if we, I get all that, but what if we taught them about, oh, there's this God out there. You can't really see him, but oh my gosh. Guess what, Jimmy? He put breath in your lungs this morning. He got you up out of bed. He loves you despite anything that you've done wrong. That's a true statement about this God. What if, I wrote it down, what if we allowed God to impact our lives like that? I'm not downplaying the virus. I'm not... I'm not saying it's not a big deal. I'm not saying it's not real. But I'm not going to stand up here and downplay a God who I know is real. I feel a fever coming on and I need a doctor called Jesus. He is a cure. We found a cure for that. Jesus, the one who died to dance with you. You ever thought about it that way? Jesus died to dance with you. After John 17, remember, he prays that eloquent prayer to the Father, so beautiful. And soon he would be back in glory again in the presence of his heavenly daddy. After that prayer, Jesus got arrested. Some of you might know the story. He got crucified for things he didn't do. But he's fulfilling his purpose, glorifying the Father as they nailed his hands and feet to the cross. He's glorifying his Father the whole time. Father, I, I do, I'm doing it for you and I'm doing it for them and I would do it again. He's especially fond of you. He is especially fond of you. On that cross, hanging there, bleeding out, he was especially fond of you. And he did bleed out. And Jesus Christ did die. It had to happen though because we need a sacrifice to cover what we've done and what we continually do. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some of you, if you hear nothing else, hear this. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, bled out and died on a cross because he's especially fond of you. And he died, and they put him away for a few days in a tomb, in a grave, in this cave. And there he would lie, dormant, but not very long. Because the greatest miracle in history, the greatest thing that could ever happen actually happened. Jesus, the only one who ever did this, died and ultimately brought himself back to life. On the third day, say three. Oh, three is a beautiful number. On the third day, Jesus Christ would break forth from the tomb. It's true. He did. On the third day, they went to go see him to anoint a dead body. He wasn't dead. He had risen. He, 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 and on that day, by the way, he's especially fond of you. On that day, Jesus Christ was alive. 
And he and because of that, he defeated death. He defeated sin. He defeated the devil. And why? So that he might dance with you today, tomorrow, and forever. He's victorious. Why do we say the best is yet to come? Because it is. And some of you, if you will call on his name, the Bible says, he will, he will come into you and make you new. You still might struggle a little bit with some depression and anxiety. You still might be messed up in your mind. But I'm telling you, he makes things new every day. And you'll never be alone again. And if you've never done that, if you're watching online, we love you. We know we have a large online audience due to the season that we've been in. And if you're watching, you just type, I choose Jesus in the comments. Type it, I choose Jesus. Or text, anybody here can do this. Text, I choose Jesus to 474747. Text, I choose Jesus to 474747. Or put it on the cards. You got connect cards here locally. Write down your decision. But I'm telling you, the decision, checking a box or, or typing a text, that doesn't save you. It's the relationship that you're starting that saves you. Jesus Christ, a victorious king. And I found myself living, I found myself living as a defeated person over the last month. And God's like, why would you do that? Why are you living defeated when I've already won it for you? Why are you battling when the battle's already done? Stop! Get on the dance floor and take my hand. I know you can't dance, even though I can, but I can't. I know you can't dance. I'll leave. Because I'm especially fond of you. Father, I thank you so much for your word and your truth. Together again, it is a beautiful thing. But here's what I know about together. And here's what you're teaching us today. We want you to do great things in our family, great things in our life, great things in our purpose, great things in our career. But nothing really matters until we're with you. You want to work through us, but first you need to be in us and work in us. Before we're going to get about being together with others in a positive, healthy way, well, we need to get together with you. And today is a call to dance. It is a call to come together. Not about each other right now. It's about a king who went to a cross for a bunch of sinners who can't get it right and is making us new every day. Thank you for your mercies made new every day. Thank you for your goodness that you lavish on us even though you know we don't deserve it, but you love us anyway. You're so good to us. Thank you for being so good to us. I thank you for everybody that came here. I'm so proud of the people that are in the room because they're hungry for something. They've missed something. They long for something. And I know that something is a, a relationship with others and a relationship ultimately with you, Father. Meet them here today and change them. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen.